It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Scott, Colin, here with you again. Thank you for joining us. Um, Scott, this weekend, you know what? We actually had a lot of fights. Um, let's start off with the fight that actually happened right after our last podcast. Teshi Goara, oh my goodness. You're talking about defending your title? He did that last Thursday. Yeah, yeah, he's such an exciting guy. Um, I'm not sure if he completely understands the idea of defending himself, but that makes him so TV-friendly. His fight with uh, Yuki Iraguchi over the last Thursday, what a war. Um, and to think he fought most about one-handed as well, because he, uh, he fractured his right hand in round two or three. Showed so much more skill than he usually does, but such an exciting guy. I did not know. I did not know that that happened. I watched the whole fight, but you talk about a warrior, um, and most Japanese fighters are. They don't quit, and he was just throwing caution to the wind the entire bout. Yeah, he has been for the last few years. He's been in some absolutely thrillers. His fights with Ryokao, Kita Kurihara, and Jason Knight are all amazing fights. They're all mine. He. <laughs> He seemed to come out of nowhere, sort of, when he fought Akawa and go fantastic performance there. Since then, he's just been rising and rising. He uh, he looks like he's going to end up fighting for a world title some point in the next couple of years. What would you say is, is next for him? Um, because at, at his class, there are many options, not only at the Japanese domestic scene, but um, in terms of world title aspirations, there's there's guys out there. My guess is he probably is going to face somebody on the domestic scene. There was talk about with Ryoichi Tamura, who's the Japanese champion. Uh, Tamura was actually in attendance at the venue um, and seemed positive about fighting Teshiguara as well. So that would be a fantastic action fight between two guys who, who have styles who really, really should gel really well. Do you think at, at some point he would be able to? To make it on the the world scene, I, I think his his style is very watchable. So people are gonna gonna watch him. But how about his talent? I mean, is he is he talented enough uh, to capture a world title? To capture, probably not. It is a really tough division. Uh, we have guys like Shingo Wake and Tomoki Kamida um, on the fringes. Patrick J. Ward, who I think so, on uh, one of the American cars last week, is also there. Thereabouts, there's so much talent. Uh, One hundred twenty-two pounds. But he has a style that can make him very fun-friendly for a very easy defense, I actually think, if I'm being totally honest. He's exciting, but he is, he's there to be hit. He's technically limited and technically flawed. You mentioned Wake, Kamera. I would love to see him against either of those guys. Uh, is that a possibility in the future? It would be, but probably only if one of them two wins a world title. The reality is they're not going to risk opportunities just to fit someone who who's a nightmare to fight and Teshiguara is going to be in your face he's going to hit you, he's going to hit you hard so they wouldn't want to risk it risk a, risk a shot when they don't need to Also on the undercard we, we got to see a couple of exciting fights, what what do you think about those? Uh, Kenichi Harakawa pulling on at the age of 38, 39 and becoming a two time Japanese flyweight, light flyweight champion when will he stop? He's been a proper hardcore servant to the Japanese scene. And the fact he's still going at his age is brilliant. He was exciting as always. He is one of those guys who's just been around and been around for so long that it's amazing to think that 
he's still going. He debuted in something like 2000. He's first a who's who was who's who. And the likes of Yukimura, Ryuji Hara, Shin Ono, Florent Condes, Kenshiro. His career is just something special. Um, but it's going to come to an end sooner rather than later. The big surprise from that card is uh, Yoshimitsu Kimura stopping Alan Villaspin in two rounds with a brutal body shot. That was that was a real eye-opener from, Kim, from Kimura. Especially with Villaspin being you know, a, a good fighter. It's not like he was going up against some bum. Yeah, yeah, Valspin is a very good fighter. He gave uh, Misashi Mori a real test last year. He was all over Masaru Tsuyoshi until he an absolute brutal shot from Tsuyoshi. He went six rounds with uh, Ukrainian Denis Berinchik, and yet Kimura does him into very impressive performance. And that's what I love about Japanese cards so much, is, is for this card I was expecting a lot of of good action and and it delivered i mean it sometimes you you don't get that with this japanese card it it totally totally uh brought you know fun um back and forth action on on the bouts that that were on it and it was just great viewing yeah we set so much with the japanese matchmakers they actually put on bouts that they're well thought out they're not just there to have a name against somebody they're going to blow away they are well matched there they're to bring fans in especially the ones that are televised. This was a tape delay broadcast, and you knew when the matchmakers put together that it was going to be quality for the television cameras. I wish we had that in in other places of the world, because I, I can tell you <laughs> that sometimes it's just like, yeah, th- this is going to be a mismatch. I mean, pay-per-view, sometimes we'll have pay-per-view that lasts a couple rounds. Pay-per-view. This is, in Japan, tape delay, and everyone can watch it. I mean, not live, but you're getting quality fights, and you're able to, you know, learn more about the boxing scene. Just watching that, at least for myself, watching these Japanese fights, I'm able to learn more about the scene, and then just enjoy a, a good bout for, for you know, a good hour or so. Yeah, the there are complaints, real complaints, with it being on tape delay, but it's better than it not being shown. They're exciting fights. They do tend to work well for the fighters. They tend to be matched because the fighters want to make a name for themselves. And it's free to wear. Uh, terrestrial TV on Fuji TV in this particular case. <laughs> Wouldn't we all give something to see boxing on free to wear TV? Yes. I would love that. Uh, even now that we have streaming with a lot of these services, like that's that's great too. But free boxing, it does not get much better than that. Of course, pay per view. I, I think to a certain extent it is necessary, but eventually, it, I think it, it's just going to stop, and and we're either going to have streaming and and hopefully maybe some free TV. Like here in the states. You know, sometimes they'll have big championship fights on ESPN, which is, while it's cable TV, a lot of people have cable, so you're able to watch good fights. Like, that's what I enjoy, is watching fights where you could just turn it on, and it's there. You don't have to order something and then wait for it to load and, and all of that other junk. I'd, I'd rather just watch it live. Live would be great if Japan wants to take the hint on that one, but for now, table. Yeah, they, they, they need to change that, especially when you have champions who are on tape yeah. delay. Now, this is a championship bout in Japan. Then you have world title bouts 
and we'll get to a couple a little later that are coming up, but they're going to be on tape delay. Ken Shiro all the time is on tape delay, and, and he's one of your most marketable stars. It begs a belief that they don't push him bigger and better. He's so East Market, such a nice guy, comes across really well, has a growing fan base. Jump on him, make him a star. Yeah, I mean, I I'll, I watch commercials with Ken Chiro because he's such a likable guy. He has that one commercial where, like, I, I think they're like earbuds or something. And I, I watch that all the time. I'm like, I, I don't even know what they're saying, but looks like they're great earbuds. And Ken Chiro's promoting them, so maybe I'll buy a pair because he's such a likable guy. And then he's on tape delay. Darn tape delay. Thank you, Japan. <laughs> Thank you, but darn you. Um, there's some fights here in the States, and, and one particular one we had interest on, especially last week we were talking about this, but that was Irgashev versus Fox. That was actually in Kansas, and I was only a couple hours away. Unfortunately, I was working. Otherwise, I would probably try to make my way over there. This one was a little bit of a disappointment, however. It looked brilliant on paper, two unbeaten guys, two guys on the fringes of bigger and better things. For whatever reason, it didn't click. Ergashev was aggressive, but wild, reckless. He lacked any sort of boxing IQ behind his work. Fox fought timidly, he fought scared, he used his feet a lot, jabbed sort of the passes stay away, jab, don't touch me, stay, stay, shoot. And it, it made for an absolute mess of a fight, it was awful. Styles make fights, and I understand that maybe their styles didn't quite mesh, but these are two guys who are skilled boxers. I know Ergashev, gosh, he did need to use his jab a little bit more. It, was this just a case of because styles didn't match up, this was a fight that we probably wish we didn't watch? Yeah, if we go back to the Teshiguari Riguchi belt, both those guys have styles that will gel. These two had styles that just didn't fox was a fox is about six foot four he's got massively long arms and he's a southpaw so he's never gonna make great tv against a, a guy who wants to come inside and is slower clumsier uh, it looked great on paper when you thought about it, it wasn't ever going to be the fight that we'd all hoped what's going to be next for ergashev ergashev is planned to return uh, in april on the clarissa shields versus Christina Hammer card, his opponent hasn't been named. But there is uh, there is talk that it will be for a title. What title that will be is some sort of regional, intercontinental, international type of thing. But that's the talk at the moment. And he has been penciled in for 10 rounds on that show. So again, he'll have good ex- exposure, especially here in the States. Um, there should be some eyes, at least on that, that women's title fight. And He'll have a chance to, to wow, like he's been doing in the past, just wasn't able to do in this past fight. Yeah, you've got to hope that it's going to be someone who's going to stand in front of him and look for a fight and not look to box him. If he gets the right opponent, he can look a million dollars. He can use the opportunity to really put that, put that Fox fight behind him and shine again. So, Scott, you're going to have to bring me up to date because there is a bunch of Filipino fights. And unfortunately, I was a little busy with work was not able to to watch any of those. But I must say, again, the television coverage with the whole ESPN5 thing over there in the Philippines, it's great. I, again, I wasn't able to, to watch any, any of it. But when I have 
watched their fights in the past. They do an excellent job. They do. Um, it's free. They actually stream the cards online, so it's it's brilliant. They, for years, Filipino cards were dead, dominated by Ale and their, uh, their big names, their pay-per-view shows. Now we've got ESPN5 giving it for free, showcasing these guys. The standout was, without a doubt, Carl Yanez Martin, who, my God, a 19-year-old machine. He's so exciting. So, threw so much leather at Pet Shoshare Kukichim. He is made for TV. If Carl Yanez Martin doesn't get put on every broadcast, he can put him on there. doing him a disservice. Another bout on that card was uh, John Real Casemiro, the former two-weight champion fighting Kenya Yamashita. This was another entertaining bout. Yamashita, for those who've seen him, know what to expect. He's aggressive, but he's quite limited. He's exciting, but flawed. And Casemiro just picked him apart. Yeah, Casemiro was a class above and then ended up splitting Yamashita's nose with a brute uppercut in round six. And... The referee, why has he stepped in and stopped that one before any more damage was done? Uh, another win on that card was Dave Penalosa, who stopped Marcos Cardenas in four rounds. That was exciting. Uh, Penalosa was rocked before going for the kill and dropping Cardenas three times. He's promoted by Jerry Penalosa, who I believe is his uncle. and He, he will be a contender at featherweight. He's very exciting, very talented, methodical, exciting. Heavy-handed, he has all the tools to go really far. If he's, if his uncle can promote him properly, he can get in the big fights. So he has the blood. He has the legendary Penalusa blood in flowing through his veins, which means he's a fighter. Yeah, third-generation fighter and a real talent. All right, well, I'm going to have to go to AsianBoxing.info, and I know these fights are up there. And I'm going to have to watch these. I'm going to just have to sit down and get some pop, pop some popcorn and, and sit down and watch these. That's going to be my free time here tonight. And you're going to rewatch Martin two or three times to see just to just, yeah, just to see how good Martin really is. I'm, I'm excited. I, I know, again, that ESPN 5 puts on a great broadcast. And um, again, a lot of talent right now coming from the Philippines. Yeah, so much talent. The only issue with the broadcast, and you won't notice this watching the videos, was that one of the bouts on the show was actually cancelled, and it left the fans in the venue watching basketball on a big screen. Uh, volleyball, <laughs> sorry, on a big screen. <laughs> At least they kept them busy. Uh, you go to some of these shows that Frank Warren are putting on, and they've got nothing for the fans to do for that time. So You're that. right. I mean, it's better than just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Maybe uh, they could have got, I don't know, a couple of the judges in there. To go and uh, to swing, throw some hands. <laughs> they did train interview some MMA fighters, but that didn't go down great. Yeah. Oh, back here in the states, you had Iwasa Juarez on the undercard of Leo Santa Cruz, and this was disappointing because I thought this was going to be a good fight. I was looking forward to it. This is one of the fights that I kind of tabbed to watch, and it wasn't on television. How dare you, PBC? It's not even like they recorded it either. Apparently, they're taking all the camera crews down and everything. So, it's not like Fuji did with the Tetraguara fight, where it was Ed later on. It's just, it's lost. There's a uh, there's a fan cam version up, and that's about it. 
really disappointing news. That whole show was kind of a mess, wasn't it? I, I was kind of following along on Twitter. I know Steve Kim from ESPN was there, but gosh, not a lot of media coverage. They literally had a another title fight on the undercard, and they didn't show that. And I heard that was a good one, too. Of course, minimum weight, so people just pass over it. But what were they thinking? It was less of an undercard, more an overcard. It seemed to finish like three o'clock in the morning. It was they could have put it on as two different shows. They could have done hundreds of different things with this. And I don't maybe maybe I'm just getting the finances wrong, but they have to pay the purses. Whether there's four people in the arena or an arena sold out, why would you pay for about eight different purses of fighters you're not going to show? And they're not cheap. The Conan Creole, yeah, they're in ways they're still getting world level purses. Juarez and Awasa still getting decent purses. Marlon Tapalos with another one who's untelevised. Hugo Centeno non-televised. These are guys who are going to be paid. Why not put them on their own card or do something different? That's stream them. Just do something with these guys. They're too good not to be shown. I, I like the idea. Yeah, if you want to stream them on the undercard, then do that. Show them somewhere is is the main. Um, that's the bottom line because again, PBC, they have this deal with Fox. Now I thought, okay, this is good. They're going to be showing fights on live TV, kind of like how ESPN does. But when you show one or a couple and then you don't have the rest, it does you no good. No, and and fair enough. PBC aren't invested in the four or five guys that we mentioned, the corner Creole, Tapalas, Iwasa, Juarez, but they could be. They could use them down the line. They could use this opportunity to open up avenues. Fans might not watch minimum weights. They might not have cared about the corner Creole, but had they seen that final round with three knockdowns, Creole coming from behind to stop the corner, that's the sort of thing that'll sell you. They'll sell you the fighters. People will watch that, and they'll remember that. You're right. If that was on television, the big comeback, then maybe you're going to bring more fans in who will say, hey, I'll watch minimum weight now because we might see something like that again. Yeah. Um, You had Juarez versus Iwasa. Iwasa took the technical decision. I don't actually think we mentioned that, but he could have offered the door to Iwasa fighting on a PBC show later on. It could have been Iwasa on a US card in the future against a WBR champion or a WBC champion in a year's time. Um, this is an IBF eliminator, so you know it could have. It's a missed opportunity. Speaking of Uwasa, I wasn't able to see. I saw a little bit of that fight again, just from camera angles. Probably some journalists that posted that fight, but that technical decision that he won it puts him in a position now for a world title fight. Is is he ready to get back in there? I. I heard some reports of maybe he looked a little washed in the fight, but again, th- that was just coming from, from Twitter. Uh, yeah, the guy he lost the belt to, TJ Dehenny, is actually the guy he's now the mandatory for, so is he ready for Dehenny? Yeah. Is he a bit on the shot one side? I'd say yeah. I'd... It's always been hard to get a read on Iwasa. He can look brilliant one moment, terrible the next. I think we mentioned it last week. Uh, he's hit and miss. And Juarez is somebody you can't really look good against anyway, unless you do what Dogbo did to him. Iwasa, yeah, put him in the ring with Dehenny as soon as you can. Uh, but 
whether he wins or not, it's I guess it's too late to too late in the day to let him waste time. He's had twenty nine fights, he should be good enough at this level, should be consistent enough at this level to give it his best. I would not mind watching a rematch of that because I think both guys hit hard. Uh, Doheny, though, being a southpaw, always difficult for Iwasa to go up against southpaws, and I think that's also a big reason why he wasn't able to to defend his title uh, last time against Doheny. But I, I, I'd watch it again. And then we've actually got to remember that Doheny and um, Daniel Roman will be unifying later this year, so that title might not stay unified for long. That's right. That's right. I, I forgot about that. Of course, now uh, Doheny with the uh, zone, and so is Roman. So that should that should be a good fight. It should be, yeah, yeah. Both both are very talented. They're underrated. Both are very skilled. Um, I'd favor both of Iwasa for whatever that's worth. They've got the WBA mandatory Murajan Akhmedaliev is with the zone as well. Um, he would be a better challenger than Iwasa for the winner. The zone is just racking up the fighters right now. I mean, they, they've got a good little stable behind them. I wouldn't mind seeing some Japanese fighters try and, try and make a move. That's interesting. I believe that um, they're perhaps looking into the Japanese fighters to try and help the zone Japan. That's why, it's my guess as to why they picked Ryoai Takahashi for TJ Dehany's first defense. The zone Japan, it's an interesting one. Japanese audiences don't tend to really pay for these sort of subscription services. But there's an opportunity there if they keep showing these Japanese fighters on these US shows that they will begin to invest in it. I think the the obvious guy you want after the World Boxing Super Series ends is the monster. And it's nice that he's being shown on the zone right now because of the World Boxing Super Series. So that could be a possibility, I, I guess, in the future. It would be, at least for his international fights, he's still contracted to Fuji TV in Japan uh, for his domestic fights over there. Uh, that's not going to end anytime soon. The the eyes on the free TV channel watching anywhere on free TV is too big to risk. Right, right. Now, you want those free eyes where they're what putting up like millions of people um, for each show. What was the, the last show that they had? Didn't he... Just- Five million or something like that? Yeah, in excess of five million just from the Kanto region. His numbers are insane. But when he's fighting outside Japan, there is a bit of leeway as to where he goes, whether it's Dazon or Wow Wow in Japan or again. It's gonna get very complicated in the next few years to see where people fight in different countries. These darn television deals making boxing so hard to watch and making fights hard to be made. Yeah, it's like they could be on one channel in Japan, uh, Sky in the UK, and Dazone in the US. It's, it's going to get very complicated very quickly for national TV rights. Yeah, promoters, television, it all is part of the equation. And as fans, we're just sitting hoping that whatever channel it's on, that it just happens. That's, that's what I always hope as a fan. Just make it happen. Yeah, we don't care how much people are getting paid at the end of the day. We don't get any of that money. Just put the <laughs> on. A, a bunch of news coming down the line um, in terms of, of Japanese boxers, Asian boxers. Um, what do you have for us, Scott? Oh, where do we start? Where do we start? Um, today's news was that Kenshiro is planning to return in May. 
he was part of a sort of party, an event in Kyoto where he stated that he still hasn't got the details of his next part, but they are likely to be in May. Um, he's still targeting Haruto Kaiguchi for the end of the year. It's it's going to be an exciting year for the yeah the little Wonderface kid, the amazing boy Wonderface, Babyface the Assassin. He he has so many great nicknames. Such a great fighter, so many great nicknames, such a talent. Uh, one of the bits of news that I like, and I thought is a really weird but cool story, is Feruza Sharipova, a female boxer from Kazakhstan who is she's in the press all the time in Kazakhstan. There's more stories released about her weekly than she's had career fights. And today it's been revealed that a Kazakh betting website is taking bets on what she will do this year, including challenge a fight with uh, Vladimir Putin and appear in Playboy. A little side story, but one that's still pretty interesting. Putin fights. Yeah, gonna... Yes, I would. You want to talk about pay-per-view. I think a lot of us would, would, wouldn't mind watching Putin get beat up. He goes on her fighting Vladimir Putin, Ramzan Kadraev, or Habib Nurmagomedov, the UFC fighter. Three to one, if anyone fancies that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. That's some solid uh, news. Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone else has covered that one, but hey. Kudratilo Abdukakarov, unbeaten Uzbek, has signed a three-fight deal with Top Rank. His first fight under that deal, we'll see him face... Kita Obara on March 30th in Philadelphia. The winner of that will be the mandatory for the win of Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence. So the winner of that just gets to get a huge body shot to the gut. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be <laughs> the winner of that, would you? You wouldn't want to be the loser, but you certainly wouldn't want to be the winner. Uh, and a little bit more of, you know, fun news. Shokimura will return in spring. The former WBO flyweight champion held a press conference yesterday to announce that he will be continuing his career and will be doing so with his next bout planned for China. So he's going to China. Of course, he, he beat the national hero in terms of boxing for China. And apparently they love him. Yeah, yeah he's got sponsorship deals and all sorts of things. Um, his, I think, second defense was over there as well against Fran Saludar. He gets mobbed over there. They talk about him on social media. He's probably as big a name as anyone in Chinese boxing, not called Zhu Shiming or Kanzu. They've properly adopted him. It's wonderful. You would think, like, after beating Zhu Shiming, that people would be outraged. He took our, he took our national hero down, but they embraced him. I like that. It's a great attitude, China. Something we need to see a lot more of across the world of boxing. Instead of dodgy decisions, let's embrace the guys. And... Instead of just being angry at them for beating your fighter. Yeah, exactly. You know, it makes life a lot easier. Let them all them for the guys that win. Right, right. And I'm guilty of that, too. Like, I, I need to just appreciate the fighter for who they are instead of saying, oh, he beat my guy. Like, I can't stand him. What a bastard. <laughs> on a similar theme Akira Yaigashi everybody's favourite Japanese warrior oh, you know, the guy who's in everyone's top few top five or six list will be back in the ring on April 8th um, originally there's very 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 few details released of this 
it's now been confirmed that it'll be a non-title bout at Super Featherweight. Uh, sorry, Super Flyweight. It's been explained that it's a world title prelude, which suggests that they've got a world title fight lined up for him later in the year. His opponent hasn't been named, but it's speculating being a 10-round bout, so that should be fun. Sign me up. Yeah, it's Yagashi. Yeah, Yagashi yeah, is in. I, I'm in. That show has had a few other announcements set for it. Uh, Andy Hirawaka, who's 13-0 with nine knockouts, will be facing Tai Acharya. Oh, boy. Wiro Jana Sonobol, who's 12-0-5. That is a brilliant matchup. I actually need to be applauded for putting that one together. That's really brilliant. Two undefeated guys. One guy, it's easy to say his name. The other guy, not so much. But, Scott, you nailed that. We'll pretend I did. We'll, yeah. We'll just dub it <laughs> in right under them. Other fighters set for that card are Ryo Matsumoto, Sean Nakazawa, and Taku Kuhara, who I've been really impressed by. Kuhara's probably the least notable name on the card for full stone. He... He's fantastic. He's going to be a big, big star in the future. Oh, Hashi, just killing the game right now in Japan. Would you say that they're the most stacked gym right now in Japan? Is that fair to it's, say? It's a two-horse race. It's between them and Watanabe Gym, who are equally stacked with Kayaguchi, Tanaguchi, uh, Taguchi. <laughs> oh, <Uchi's laughs> a lot of Gucci's. Uh, Fumiya Fuse, Genji Shigiyoka, Ryuichi Funai. Uh, Nahito Arakawa. There's so much talent at Watanabe Gym. It's, it's between them and Ohashi as to who's bigger. Watanabe's gym is, which I, I got to see like where their gym's located, at least looking on Twitter, and I love the location of that gym. It's what, 30 second walk from a transaction. Yeah, and you just see like the train going by, and then I saw, I think it was Kyoguchi and Tanaguchi, you know, just. In the pads, and the train goes by. Nice little location for a gym. I like it. It's a gym that until sort of seven, eight years ago didn't really have a lot of respect. And then Uchiyama came around and the Kono and Taguchi. And since then, it's just really taken off. It's been fantastic the last five, six years. Yeah, anytime you can get Uchiyama in your gym, I'm pretty sure uh, you're going to get some respect. Yeah. And then you get three champions at once, and everybody suddenly wants to go there. Uh, the Shinsai Gym uh, have been rumored for a while to be holding a show on April 27th, featuring Ria Konishi battling Felix Alvarado. Uh, that would be an IBF flyweight title fight, and it looks like it's definitely set for April 27th. We'd expect the announcement later this month, but Nick Ragu and Sasa reported it. Uh, Shinsai Gym's head honcho announced there'd be a female world title fight on that card. It looks like all the pieces are coming together for a very, very good show. And that's interesting because wasn't Alvarado supposed to be uh, going up against Acosta for a unifying match? The plan for that was to have that after Kanishi and what, what would have been a really, really notable Nicaragua show. It was meant to have Felix Alvarado versus Angel Acosta, as you mentioned, then Rene Alvarado versus Alberto Mercado. But Mercado let the team down, losing to Andrew Cancial. Oh, Cancial? Cancial? Um, yeah, losing to WS Super Featherweight title recently and messing those plans up. Yeah, I saw that fight. That was a shocker for sure. That was a shock to fight down, wasn't it? Great body shot. 
staying with the IBF. Uh, Maruti Mathlane now has a date for his meeting with Masayuki Kuroda. That will be May 13th at the Korokan Hall. At the moment, details in regards to television uh, in the air, but at least we now, have it, we now have a date for that one. So basically, what you're saying and what you're telling me, Scott, and the people out there listening to the Asian Boxing Podcast is that we are in for a spring that's going to be filled with great fight after great fight. March, April, May, they're going to be so full of action. It is going to be exhausting. We've got bouts now announced for Kuroda. We've got bouts announced for Inoue. Kenshiro's meant to be in May. Ito's meant to be in May. Murata's meant to be in May. Kaiguchi's meant to be in April, May or June. It's going to just take off. It's going to be crazy. Ah, uh, the Asian boxing scene, the Japanese scene, on fire in spring. Can't wait for those flowers to start blooming. Then I'll know it's time for boxing. That's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Scott, Colin, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.